And that's appropriate because we are going to be talking about great American road trips. Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelsang. As part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living interview series, we have an excellent interview with award-winning historian, author, and public humanities scholar, Clay Jenkinson. Clay Jenkinson will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates via Zoom June 29th, and the title of Clay Jenkinson's presentation is, yep, you guessed it, Road Trips, Road Books, and Unforgettable Journeys. Just in time for summer and post-pandemic, we are all in the mood for travel, and road trips are so popular, particularly in the U.S., We'll talk to Clay Jenkinson about why we love road trips, some great road trips that are less traveled, why we are so restless a society, and what is so compelling about travel stories, what do we learn about history, culture, and society through the road trips and travel along with the suggested post-pandemic travel schedule. What's all that like? Where do you want to go? Who will you take along? This will be a fun show with some great ideas for you award-winning historian, author, and public humanities scholar Clay Jenkinson introduces us to his themes and structures of the literature of road trips and even some great road trip books and some great road trip ideas. We will discuss some of the passages from several road classics and explore the theme of restlessness in American history. Clay Jenkinson has traveled the Lewis and Clark Trail by plane, including an F-16 jet, He's traveled by canoe and by automobile, and he twice hiked the entire length of the Little Missouri River between Devil's Tower and Central North Dakota. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, author, public humanities scholar, and award-winning historian, Clay Jenkinson. Clay Jenkinson, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be talking to you. I, I am... Excited about this. I think most of my audience is eager to get out and about. We're going to talk about we're going to talk about road trips a little bit. We're going to talk about books in relation to that. But maybe tell us about your maybe tell us briefly about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates Zoom presentation and and how you'll engage our audience using Zoom. We're all on Zoom these days, uh, despite you know whether we've been vaccinated or not. We've been using Zoom for a while, so you'll be using it. Tell us a little bit about that. Zoom has revolutionized our culture. You know, I didn't even know what Zoom was 16 months ago. And now, <laughs> right. uh, it's it's one of the main avenues through which I see the world. Yeah. So we're all eager to get back out on the road. And uh, there's, there's something particularly American about the road trip. You know, we have a huge country. We have a, a great highway system. And, and in addition to the interstate system, which is world class, uh, thanks to the, uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower, we have extraordinary back roads, you know, blue highways, uh, blacktop roads, uh, the kind of roads that are um, often through more interesting country, more rugged country, uh, small towns that have been bypassed by uh, the freeways and so on. And so there, there's something you know, deeply American about life on the road. And I think if you were looking for one book and one book only on this subject, it would probably be Jack Kerouac's classic on the road. That book has some some issues now um, in the Me Too era, uh, but it still has this extraordinary capacity to make us want to get in a in a car, preferably a convertible, and have nowhere we have to actually be, you know, some kind of vague destination three, four, or five days from now, or maybe a week, 
and be able to turn off whenever we want to and stop at a roadside cafe and maybe hike uh, in a national forest or a national park and you know, roll the windows down and, and see America. I think that's something that we have as Americans that other people don't, not even, not even Canadians. And so uh, I love this literature. I've been reading it since I was in college. Uh, and I, you know, in some sense, I can never get enough of it. I reread On the Road every couple of years and a lot of other classics of, the, of that sort. And so then, of course, it's one thing to read about it. The next thing is to um, gas up or, or, get, or get your electric car moving and get out and uh, and see it for yourself. Well, we're talking just in time for summer, you know, kind of post-pandemic. I read about you that you're happiest. There's a quote I found about you, and I just, I love this. You're happiest making loopy auto trips through the American West, hiking, camping, visiting small towns, exploring not just the blue highways, but the gravel roads that lead off into the middle of nowhere. Why are road trips so popular? You you love them. I love them. I think so many do. We we seem to be a bit restless as a society, but these are popular things for us to be doing too. Well, Paul Tocqueville came here in the 1830s and wrote the best book ever written about America by somebody who wasn't an American, his classic democracy in America. And in it, he, he famously said, the Americans are just fundamentally restless. And he said, you know, they'll, they'll build a house but before they get the roof on, they'll move somewhere else, and, and they'll they'll start a voluntary association. But um, but soon they're gone because they just can't stay still, and they'll plant a crop but hardly wait until it has come to fruition to harvest before they they want to get moving again. And I haven't done it justice. It's a great passage in uh, Tocqueville's Democracy in America, but it it appears to be true. But also, you know, I'm I'm a scholar of Theodore Roosevelt. Um, and I'm a friend to Ken Burns, and, and, and Ken Burns made his uh, great documentary on the national parks in which he said, is this America's best idea? Well, I don't think it's America's best idea, but we're good at this. You know, We created the national parks beginning with Yellowstone in 1872. Now we have 60 or so of them, plus innumerable memorials and national forests and BLM lands and so on. And so th- this outback, this idea that there are places that you can go to sort of um, wean yourself of your device, your television, your telephone, that you can sort of go off the grid briefly, or as Roosevelt would put it, you know, squat around a campfire at night and make camp coffee and cook bacon and, you know, listen to the coyotes and, and, and wait for the stars to blink on, that this is, this is a quintessentially American thing. And it can be done in Canada, but it just feels a little bit more like Queen Victoria is looking over your shoulders there. It's just something that's that's it's really one of the one of the primary American impulses. And Roosevelt and Frederick Jackson Turner would say it comes from our life as a frontier people that, you know, we started huddled on the eastern seaboard. And then uh, we began to crossover into the interior and that process beginning in the 1750s or 60s went on until at least 1890 when the U.S. Census Bureau finally closed the frontier as a category and that's what led Frederick Jackson Turner to write his famous essay The Significance of the Frontier and he said it was that frontier impulse that defined American history and it also shaped American character. I think we all have some of that in us, uh, and we have plenty of land. You know, um, Gertrude Stein 
famously said, there's more, uh, there's more America where nothing is than something is. And it remains true even now. And so I think that's, that's part of the lure. And we happen to have a very rich literature of the road and Kerouac is just one. I mean, piercings Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance was a big deal in the 1970s. I met him and uh, John Steinbeck's travels with Charlie is, is, is one of the best books ever written about this. It's sort of the, it's the, it's the ultimate RV Bible, but you could go all the way back to Lewis and Clark. And I remember at the, when the bicentennial of the Lewis and Clark expedition began in 2003, there was a huge kind of launch event at Monticello and James Ronda, the greatest living Lewis and Clark scholar gave the keynote for about 15 minutes. And he said, here's how you need to think of this. Lewis and Clark is America's first great road story. And that really, I think, uh, nailed it, that this is, this is something that we do and have had um, been able to develop a beautiful literature around. Mm -hmm. What is it about some of these books that just captures our attention? I'm old enough that my parents and I, my two sisters, we used to take road trips throughout the West and we would read, you know, Mark Twain, and we would read a lot of different um, Steinbeck books to each other. I'm, I'm originally from Central California, so Steinbeck was an important author to to us. What is it? And, and you mentioned On the Road, you know, by Jack Kerouac. What is it about some of these great road trip books that captures us? Well, they think I think that they understand something that's deep in our national character, and then they give it this extraordinary uh, literary. Um, and romantic expression. And so, for example, to take a book that wouldn't necessarily come first to mind, Moby Dick, at the beginning of, of Moby Dick, Ishmael says, you know, whenever I'm melancholy, whenever I'm down on life, whenever I'm filled with deep dissatisfaction and I'm so unsettled, I find myself inevitably walking towards the shore because I'm going to get on a ship. And if I get on a ship, then that's going to take me away from whatever is preying upon me and liberate me and open my soul to new experiences. And so that's an outward sort of journey. But then you have, as you mentioned, Mark Twain, um, maybe one of the, certainly the funniest road book in American history is Roughing It, which I read every couple of years and I laugh out loud and I groan at how corny Mark Twain can be. His jokes are all by now cliches, but they're they're drop-dead funny. He has the best thing ever written about the Mormon church uh, by a comedian, and he has incredible tales about wandering uh, on the stagecoach system through the American West and winding up in the gold fields of Nevada. Um, it's, it's one of America's most charming books, and it's about being on the road. Um, you know, if he had just written it about, if he'd landed in a hot air balloon in Nevada City, Nevada, and, and had written about the mining enterprises there, it would be a good book. But the fact that he's constantly traveling and had to travel from the East all the way out uh, through the great American desert on a primitive stagecoach uh, and through places like St. Louis and Fort Leavenworth and eventually Salt Lake City, that's what makes this a classic. And so it's just, I think that, that writers understand this, that there's, when we think of freedom, you know, there's the, the sort of Jeffersonian freedom um, don't tread on me, minimalist government. Um, but there's another American freedom, and that's freedom to be at loose ends, to be with Huck and Jim on the river on, on a day when they're just drifting down and they're fishing and they're lazing about and they're swimming and they're philosophizing about life and dodging the slave 
um, guardians and so on, that, that there's, there's some sense that that's what America means. That's so true. We're with Clay Jenkinson. And so, Clay Jenkinson, I just I want to ask you, these, these travel stories, they teach us. I, I learned so much as I was kind of looking out the windows and listening to my parents talk. We, you know, had some study time that my parents, my mom was a public school teacher, but I, I just, I learned. And, and I think that's one of the values. What, what else do you think we gain as we're taking these road trips, either, either on a solo basis, you know, through Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance or with families? What is it that we learn about society and culture and, and about ourselves? Well, a couple of things. Number one, we cheer up. You know, mm. at the moment we're in this national paralysis. I think for the first time in my lifetime, I actually have to fear about whether we can continue to be a democracy or a republic. Mm. Uh, mm. There is so much um, angst and grievance and rage uh, and mutual mistrust. And so I watch CNN and Fox and MSNBC and, and I get overwhelmed with gloom and a sense that there's no way out. Um, and it's very, very strong and intense, and it's also very dispiriting. And you and you just wind up thinking, it will be lucky if we survive as a nation. And then you get in your car and you drive out, and you know, on, on day two, you're at the world's largest ball of twine, and, and day <laughs> later, you're at the world's largest pelican in Pelican Rapids, Minnesota, and you come to a town where there's a um, a, a motel in the shape of a cactus. And you go into this local cafe and you meet these actual, real, authentic Americans and they're not terribly sophisticated. They're, they're just authentic and they speak their minds and they're good and decent and neighborly and they have opinions like the rest of us. But that's, that's a pretty shallow part of, of their actual life and character. And you get out there and you just invariably cheer up and you also keep thinking, this country is so beautiful. The cornfields of Indiana and the wheat fields of Kansas and the canyon country of Utah and Arizona and the Grand Canyon and, and even things like Grand Coulee Dam and Hoover Dam and the Golden Gate Bridge and you're up at the top of the Rocky Mountains on the Continental Divide and you're jumping back and forth from the Pacific watershed to the Atlantic watershed and you go to Four Corners and try to put your arms and feet in four states at once. And, and it's, it, it, I'm sounding a bit as if I'm channeling my inner Chevy chase from national <laughs> vacation, but that's what we love. We love the, kids. Yeah. we love the, the smarm. We love the innocence. And there's a, I've just written a book about this, um, about the future of North Dakota called the language of cottonwoods essays on the future of North Dakota. And, and there's a long chapter on roadside attractions. You know, the, the, we have the world's largest Buffalo, we have the world's largest sandhill crane. We have the world's largest Holstein cow. And you think, this is madness. This is insane. This is this, there's something so ridiculous about it. And yet when you see the world's largest ice cream cone, you say to your parents, can, can we go there? We, we want to take a picture <laughs> by the world's largest ice cream cone. And then you do. And you wind up being happier about life. It's, it's that kind of retro innocence the roadster the touring car the, the invention of the motel in the 1940s a motor hotel instead of staying in a six-story hotel in des moines you can stay out on the edge of town in something called a motor hotel and drive up right to your room and that all of this is deeply embedded 
into American mythology and into the American way of life. And, and every time I'm gloomy, this is my sort of um, response to Ishmael and Moby Dick. Whenever I'm gloomy, I, I try to find a way to get in my car and drive somewhere that I've never been before and stop in a small town on the dusty Great Plains and go in and order a tuna melt or chicken <laughs> fried steak and just kind of you just start to breathe a little bit again and you realize we're probably going to be okay. You know, Steinbeck came to Bismarck, North Dakota on his, on his travels with Charlie trip. And he said, that's where the map should fold. That's, that's <laughs> where the East lays down and the West begins. And, and suddenly the land opens and you see these endless vistas and mountains. Is it mountains or is it clouds or is it, is it some sort of a, a mirage? And you realize, if you, especially if you get on like one of the, the loneliest highway in America across Nevada, and you, you 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 take an hour and a half to get to the ridge of a mountain range, and when you get to the top of it, the road leads out 150 miles to the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one. And you just realize the immensity of America and that this 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 quality of of not wilderness, but of empty wildness is a central fact of our national understanding of ourself. And so all the books that do well um, get at this in some way or other. There has to be that moment when you're, even if you take a, a, a crazy book like Hunter S. Thompson's Your Loathing <laughs> in Las Vegas, it's the same thing. How, how far can you go out before you've gone too far? And I think everyone who's on the road, you know, there's that moment when you realize, uh-oh, what if I run out of gas here? Or in the middle of nowhere, like in eastern Montana, you think, if I broke down here, this would be a very, very long day. And that actually creates an intensity and even an exhilaration, I think. Mm -hmm. A little bit about well, what, what might happen. There's a little bit of drama. You get a little excited, a little adrenaline starts to flow. And that's that can be a good thing. In one of my books, I said, I love the quote, the exhilaration of a dying clutch. You know, that, that's, uh-oh, you know, am I going to make it to yeah. Bozeman here? You know, can I, can I get to Ritchie, Montana, where there might be a mechanic? Oh, I love that. I, I could listen to you tell these stories, and, and we're going to get a chance to as you as you speak here at the upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation. I just have really one kind of final uh, a couple of questions for you, Clay Jenkinson. You you mentioned North Dakota, and, and from your writing, you, you live in North Dakota, and you, you say, because you love the stark Great Plains with its badlands, buttes, spectacular plains, its silhouetted ridgelines and rivers, and you've hiked the entire length of the Little Missouri River between Devil's Tower and Central North Dakota twice, I read. And so maybe tell us what's What's your recommendation for kind of a great out-of-the-way place that our audience might might not think of, you know, immediately when they're when they're planning their road trip? But what what would you suggest in terms of just a, uh, you know, and kind of off the beaten path that gravel road location that you just have found in your own travels? Well, that's a that's a fabulous question. I'll start by being selfish. Come to North <laughs> Dakota. Uh, North Dakota is the last visited state. And it's the least visited state. And if you put a thousand people in a room in Tampa or San Diego and said, name the 50 states, uh, North Dakota could be left off the list. It's going to be late. You know, you're going to think, well, there's Mississippi <laughs> and there's California and there's Florida and there's New York. <laughs> As you go down that list, you're going to get to a point where you're no longer certain 
And North Dakota is one of those states that usually tends to get forgotten. It's a hidden gem. And if you want to see the backcountry, it's great. And by the way, if you want to see the world's largest, um, you know, sandhill crane, uh, we have it and nobody mm. else does. It's ours. So I, I, I would recommend that. But, but, but to be more serious about it, I think you want to get, you know, if you go to the, if you go to Colorado, you have to share Colorado. If you go to California, that's just something completely different. Although there are places like the Redwoods and the Sierra, and mm, the Black mm-hmm. Rock Desert and so on. But if you're just looking to kind of really get it to yourself, I think what I would recommend is that you fly or drive to something like Billings, Montana, and then you start to go south and get yourself into Wyoming and do not go on the freeways. Go on the old blacktop roads. The maps, by the way, of Wyoming are are fantastic. And just start, mm-hmm. slow down to about 55 or 50 miles per hour or 60 and just kind of drift around with no place to go and just let it in because there's so much of Wyoming and it's magnificent. And this year, for example, I've been traveling in western Montana. The pronghorn antelope are as beautiful as I have ever seen them. They've had kind of a rough last few years because of harsh winters. And this year they look plump and the, and the, and they're the most beautiful, beautiful of all great plains quadrupeds. They can, they can run up to 40 miles per hour for short distances. They're the quintessential great plains, um, mammal and you see them and you can actually get them running and you know, they kind of will race you for a while if you're careful about this on the back roads. And so I would say if you, if you want, if you want company, you know, drive to Vail. Um, if you want luxury, go to Jackson Hole. You know, if you want sublimity, go to um, the Grand Canyon or to the Redwoods or Glacier. But if you want to just feel that kind of, it's a little hot and it's a little dusty. I'm not quite sure where I am, but this, I feel like I'm in God's country. And this is a great day because there's just that slight sense of agoraphobia and bewilderment that I'm in this vast outback of America that I didn't even really know existed. And I'm out here and I've got plenty of gas and maybe some red licorice and a diet Coke. And later I'm going to get to this town. I'm going to check into some motel and then I'm going to go out to some, some sort of roadhouse on the edge of town and buy me a beef steak and have a beer or something. That's for me, that's paradise on earth. I think I had the best uh, bacon cheeseburger of my life in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Um, I'll, I'll mention the place Liberty Burger, I think is what it was called. And oh my God, we had no plans. We just were there driving my son back to college one summer. And uh, and there it was. And we just stopped in and, and boy, was was it ever wonderful. I'll never forget it. I want to want to go back well, there. I definitely in the shadow there. of the Grand Tetons, you know, one of the most mm-hmm. beautiful places on earth. And I and I don't doubt the joy of that experience for you, and particularly when you mention your son, that father son, father daughter mm-hmm. family, or a young couple, or even old married couple, good friends. There are so many combinations that make this really tremendous. Well, Clay Jenkinson, final final question for you: How does your summer look? How does your post pandemic travel schedule look? What's it look like? Because on your website, and we're going to put links to where our audience can find out more information about you and your website. You're going to go to one of my favorite spots. I, I mentioned I'm, I'm from Central California. Steinbeck was a favorite author. You're going to go to Steinbeck Country, take a tour, 
And as a former Californian, I tell you, that just sounds fantastic. Salinas, Steinbeck's home, and Point Lobos, Cannery Row, uh, you know, Monterey. Oh, boy, a lot of that looks like great fun and, and some great learning, too. So where else are you I heading? lead all these cultural tours, so one of them is to Steinbeck's California, and you've nailed it. And, you know, and we go to Fremont Peak where he ended his mm-hmm. travels with Charlie. And, of course, if you're in Monterey, you're in what, what was once a smelly working-class town and is now a luxury <laughs> resort, and the meals yeah. are just world-class. And, and we go to Point Lobos, which may be the most beautiful intersection of, of ocean and land in the world. So we do that. I also do Lewis and Clark tours in Montana and Idaho. And we canoe mm-hmm. on the wild and scenic Missouri River, and we actually climb up in the exact footprints, not approximate, but the exact footprints of, of Lewis and Clark and I lead other tours. We're going on the salmon river this summer on the river of no return, which is a class four uh, rafting trip and so on and so forth. And, and then I do winter encampments at a lodge West of Missoula, where we talk for four days about Dickens or Henry David Thoreau or uh, the space program or the building of the atomic bomb or whatever it might be. But so those are all great things, but that that's where I'm sort of working. Not that they really call mm-hmm. that work. But like two weeks ago, I went out with a friend of mine and we explored. We tried to get to the actual source of the Missouri River in southwestern Montana. And that turns out to be an adventure and, you know, a a, a little dicey in some wonderful ways. And we got lost a couple of times and and that was fabulous. And and I'm, I'm hoping that sometime this summer, on the basis of Steinbeck, I bought a little camper rig, a teeny tiny one for the back of a pickup. And I go off and and then I, I channel my inner Steinbeck. All I need is a poodle and some writing talent and I'll have everything. <laughs> well, have a great time. Have a great uh, summer travel season. And we look forward to seeing you coming up here at the Smithsonian Associates Program. But Clay Jenkinson, all your wonderful work, documentaries, your books. We're going to put links up to where people can find out more information about you and all your wonderful travels and trips. But What a pleasure it's been to talk to you. I I could talk to you for a long time, Clay Jacobson, but uh, thank you so much for your generous time You've inspired me, and I'm going to go back now and read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance before this uh, event for the Smithsonian. So come, everyone, to North Dakota. You will never be sorry. And thanks for really a wonderful interview, Paul. My thanks to Clay Jenkinson. Clay Jenkinson will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates via Zoom June 29th, and the title of Clay Jenkinson's presentation is Road Trips, Road Books, and Unforgettable Journeys. Hopefully today's show will give you some ideas to keep in mind when thinking about summer travel and road trips coming up. My thanks to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Be safe. And remember, let's talk about better, especially on road trips. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody.